Welcome back to Rockstock Channel. It is Friday, January uh, 26th, around noontime. Uh, Rodney and I have just uh, concluded uh, our third week in a row of uh, having four or five meetings a day on Zoom with uh, industry insiders at producers, developers, uh, traders, um, both the physical and derivatives traders, uh, sell-side analysts uh, in Asia, Australia, Canada, and the U.S. And uh, we've had news this week uh, from Pilbara, Minrez, and Tesla, and uh, also a bit of news of Sayana. We're going to cover that, but uh, we haven't yet heard news from Albemarle or Arcadium. Uh, Albemarle, I think, is uh, producing their results on February 15th, and Arcadium on the 24th of February, uh, and those are relevant because uh, we haven't really heard uh, about what, what if at all, they might do with some of their mines in Western Australia, namely uh, Greenbush's, you know, Wajina and, um, and Mount Catlin. Before we start today's video, we'd like to thank Lithium Royalty Corp, listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange, ticker symbol LIRC. We'll share more later in the video. Uh, you have a view. I want to start there. You know, Rodney, I think you've said in some of our earlier videos this year that, that this year is very much one of uh, kind of supply cuts, supply discipline, in particular out of uh, Western Australia. Uh, Pilbara, you know, didn't do anything. And uh, um, Mineral Resources said that even Bald Hill, which we thought might be a, a candidate to, to come offline, he said it was uh, even that was profitable, although. Um, the whole dynamics of Bald Hill, he didn't provide a lot of detail because there are some still kind of murky uh, undertakings with their, um, you know, liquidators or bankruptcy administrators, et cetera. But, you know, your thoughts on uh, what we might hear from Albemarle and uh, Arcadium, you know, when they report. Yeah, I guess uh, just on the, just to cover quickly on the demand topic, you know, I do think that if sell prices are cut and go down to something in the order of $50 per kilowatt hour for LFP in the second half, that, that could trigger, you know, some additional demand definitely on the ESS side. I think that would make it a very competitive, um, supplier of, of power. So, you know, that that might be a surprise. I don't know to what extent, but, uh, just on the demand side and, and possibly even for EV, but, um, with respect to green bushes, the agreement as it stands is between Albemarle and Tangshi IGO is no one sells Bodgerman direct, uh, which means if that's the case at the moment, Tangshi has in by mass between 55 and 60,000 tons of uh, downstream conversion capacity, but they get somewhere in the order of 90 to a hundred thousand tons of chemical grade spodumin from green bushes, which means they have an excess of 30 to 40,000 tons that doesn't have a home. Uh, if you were to do tolling, you know, I think those economics are very tough at these lithium prices, even with uh, getting the spodumin at whatever the costing is, if they were to adjust the formula, I think it, it's very much touch and go if you pay someone else a margin to do the tolling. So if you do that mass, what does that mean? What does it mean for Albemarle that also does quite a lot of tolling? 
unless you are delivering into term contracts at premium prices, which I don't think Tertiary is. Albemarle might, but I'm not sure on all of it. So there's definitely a case, unless they change the agreement between the parties, that um, there's a potential for, instead of just building up uh, inventories there, which I don't think you can do indefinitely, and looking at where spodumen prices have gone since IGO flagged that, there's a fair chance, you know, that it would make commercial sense for both those parties to agree to cut back on Greenbush's volumes. How much depends, as I say, on what the contract pricing looks like on Albemarle's side uh, for tolling, but um, on Tanchi's side, certainly 30 to 40,000 tons of LCE equivalent. So, you know, between uh, the two of them, you know, if, if Albemarle were to match, that would be a significant cut. That would be like calculate. 20 to 30%. That would be like 20 to 30% of Greenbush's production more or so. So I'm saying, if, yeah, I mean, if it were 30,000 tons that cut back, that would be 30%, give or take. They both agree to that. Okay. In, in spodumene terms, what's the production rate of Greenbush's now? 1.5 million tons? Yeah, somewhere around there. I had slightly, slightly higher, but remember they do some uh, technical grade, you know, they do for glass and ceramics that they sell. So um, for chemical grade, let's for simplicity's sake, say one and a half million tons was the plan. So you could take, you know, uh, you know, 450,000 maybe of that offline. Um, that that would be huge. Would... That would be a gigantic slowdown. It would, I don't know what it would mean for operating costs, but I, I don't know that it would be that bad. Now that is obviously a dream scenario for the market. Everyone would owe them a fruit basket if they were to do that, because that would be a lot of volume. Um, so <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Masters and, and Eric Norris, uh, this is a way to be disciplined and balance the market. Look, again, you know, they could, they could take a different view and say, it's time to put the squeeze on other marginal operators and agree to sell Spodumen direct and be ruthless. But to my mind, it would, you know, the obvious takers for that, as we know, the conversion capacities in China, which means they convert and then sell into spot, which puts more pressure and that can only be bad for both those, you know, for for Albemarle and Tenshi to allow that to happen. So let's see. It's the only way that you could see the low-cost producer in the market actually being the one cutting back. As far as Mount Catlin goes, it's got a small resource left. They use contract mining. You know, why would you produce to break even if you're running through what is a small and short-dated, you know, mine life? makes no sense, but they'll have to decide that there's cut four. I, I don't know what their agreements look like, you know, to produce, to stand still and make no money also makes no sense. I don't know what costs are involved to send everyone home, but I think with a certain amount of lead time, they could, could do that. Um, they're not the only ones you've got core, you've got North American lithium. So there's a few parties that I'm sure. Sound had a press release. Sound had 
you fired Yogi Below, who was at the the Canada Rocks uh, conference uh, last year. Um, James Brown is, uh, you know, does he have another Altura on his hands here? We'll have to see. I guess it's, you know, what are the costings to ship it? What are the, you know, the margins taken by the marketing or what have you, and what's the net price? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll see what they have to say. Again, you know, you need, I think, quite meaningful supply to come out of the market to, to send a warning shot across the bar. Um, but there are some obvious projects to look at. I don't understand how given, uh, you know, it's a landlocked country and what have you, how Zimbabwean material stays competitive at these lower prices, given it's got to either, you know, it's got to travel across quite some distance to get to port and then be, and then be uh, shipped. So let's see, uh, how they hold that. You know, again, we saw some big export numbers out of Zimbabwe to China in late last year, but uh, you know, the decision to mine that stuff wouldn't have been immediate. It would have been earlier when prices were still somewhat higher. So I think I'll be very interested to see imports into China between Oz and uh, Africa and elsewhere. Uh, it's interesting to note that Australia has gone from a hundred percent of imports into China down to half or just over half. So really it has been the rise of, of other players, but, um, we hear different things. Let's see how, how those hold up. And then of course, um, I'm still struggling, you know, from a, um, a maths perspective to understand how on the light in China can be competitive and operate and go lower from these levels when Ganfen and others overlooked those projects and, you know, some of them have very low grades, uh, and some issues with impurities and so on and, and, you know, needing to move waste rocks. So that's the thesis, you know, lithium prices shot up, the IRA in Europe was doing saber rattling and China responded, went out into the world, secured various projects, Brown and got some hard rock going and, you know, they've got a, a liquid futures market. There is some debate over delivery that we had about whether it was meeting spec, but you know, the open interest is big on the Guangzhou futures, whether that speculation or genuine sellers will, will remain to see, but it is physically settled. So, you know, China is, has responded very quickly to the geopolitical, you know, threats. Um, and we know that exports, you know, if you look at what the, uh, production targets are of Chinese EV brands for this year versus what they expect to sell in China, the, the read through the look through is, you know, you can expect big exports out of China for EVs this year into rest of the world and what they can do in Europe. So, um. You know, if you take China's percentage of EV domestic EV sales as a percentage of total sales and exports, China is, is flexing right now, big numbers. They certainly are, uh, 
I want to cover the Tesla conference call a, a little bit, but uh, one of the things you said is that if it weren't for uh, you know import tariffs, they would decimate you know all incumbent you know auto OEMs. Uh, before talking about that, you mentioned the Guangzhou futures. It's also come to our attention this week that the uh, CME, uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange has lithium hydroxide uh, in a $5, you know, contango, you know, spots $14 and uh, one year from now is at $19. Uh, So the derivative of that, or if you translate that into, you know, spodumene tonnage, the market is becoming more liquid and we're seeing that there are some players um, who are active in that market looking to utilize some hedging mechanisms uh, that might be applicable to some of the spodumene um, producers out there as uh, you know some sort of financial vehicle. What, what, what do you make of uh, that contango dynamic? Um, you know, what's what's the market telling us there? Again, it's a cash settled exchange, but what they're saying is, you know, we were in backwardation when it was at eighty dollars. A kilo, uh, and now we're in contango when it's, you know, down at these levels. So that's an interesting one with the, with the reference point being, again, it's an ex China reference point. Uh, what is interesting is the, when I looked recently, I don't think it's changed is that the China exchange is also in contango now. So that's a ray of hope. Um, in that, um, you know, you're not, you're not seeing, uh, you know, backwardation from very low levels. So, you know, looking slightly better. So that is encouraging, but you know, again, it's a question of, um, who is using those futures. And I guess if I were an OEM and I would want to, or anyone downstream, I'd want to hedge. Even buying forward, I, when I had a look at the CME, I think some of the back end of 2025, I think is $20. That's still, um, you know, that's still really cheap. So if you look at that as a look through, if you secure your own lithium supply and factor that into the battery cell costs, that's competitive. So I would happily. You know, is twenty dollars reinvestment is it, is that enough reinvestment economics even for someone like an Altmar or whatever? I think if they want two times whack, it isn't. So it's a good opportunity to buy in the same way that when oil plummeted, you know, and you know the price was was down below fifty dollars a barrel or what have you. It's you know a great time because if you look at it all in costs to produce. That was really low. And I think for lithium, the, the reinvestment economics isn't even 20 isn't enough. It's China. I agree with that. I think we're uh, more along the lines of uh, 25 uh, is, is like where market consensus, you know, seems to be uh, going. Jumping in here from the editing room to tell you about Lithium Royalty Corp. Lithium Royalty Corp is at the center of a global energy transition and manages a globally diversified portfolio of lithium-focused royalties in electrification and decarbonization. With 32 royalties on 29 higher-grade, lower-cost projects, 
From exploration to production, LIRC covers all the bases with well-managed risk, ESG considerations, and a scalable royalty structure. Lithium Royalty Corp. is traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange ticker symbol LIRC. To find out more, visit lithiumroyaltycorp.com. We put out this uh, you know, peak pessimism with a question mark uh, at the beginning of the year, and, and we were arguing we haven't reached peak pessimism, and we, we, we still, I saw Altium, you know, took a big hit. Uh, Tesla took a very significant hit. I listened to the call. It didn't, it didn't sound to me so terrible. Um, Wall Street is saying that there was no guidance, uh, change of CFO at Tesla. You know, maybe they changed the idea of, of having guidance. So markets don't like uncertainty, but, um, you know, he did talk about the next generation vehicle, you know, being a 2025, uh, idea. So, uh, it's not this year, uh, if, but, uh, you know, they have 30 billion of cash. Their ESS business was up 125%. There's all sorts of great commentators, you know, on Tesla. I'm not going to go through, you know, all of that, but, uh, you know, the model Y is the best selling vehicle, you know, globally, uh, you know, the Cybertruck is getting, you know, very good reviews, but it's going to take some time to ramp, but in terms of, you know, Tesla's, you know, fundamental business that, you know, will translate into demand for lithium. I think it's, it's positive, you know, certainly from a 2025 point of view, right? So I'm feeling like 2024 is feeling to me like 2020, you know, hopefully we won't have COVID, uh, you know, in the next four to six weeks or some other pandemic, which locks us, you know, in at home again, but it was this time in 2020, you know, as we were approaching, you know, the BMO conference and, and the uh, PDAC conference, the, the market was, was weak. Uh, uh, if I pull up some stock charts of Albemarle, um, you know, it was quite low. Tesla was quite low. Uh, you know, the, the, what happened in 2020, you know, there was hype leading up to battery day in September of 20th or so of, uh, we, th we thought battery day was originally supposed to be May, then it was postponed until September, you know, but the hype started in like August, uh, period. I don't think that there's another Tesla event, which will create, you know, that hype, but there's a lot of, a, there was an election in 2020, you know, ongoing throughout COVID there's an election this year. Um, Pilbara mentioned, uh, Dale Henderson, uh, just from a, a macro point of view. Uh, I wrote these things down. Dale Henderson, during his, the, just the macro points from his conference call, he talked about you know, South Korea on December 13th, you know, $29 billion they're spending over five years. You know, the EU commission, you know, $3 billion of battery. That was in December, the USA and November, another, you know, three and a half billion. Um, he talked about some macro uncertainty. There are 50 elections globally uh, with the USA, India, South Africa, you know, 49% of the world is, is, is voting. So, um, you know, China EV sales are an all time record global EV sales. I think we're up 31%. So a lot of positives to point to, um, but yeah, it feels like a, a bit of a year of transition, but another thing that, uh, I'm seeing is like, like I've become pretty negative on the, on the U S you know, dynamic because the number of models, you know, that are qualifying for subsidies, you know, the general rhetoric that you're, I read in the wall street journal and elsewhere, 
Uh, but several years ago, this was a China dominated story. It's only been in the last kind of couple of years with Tesla and the Inflation Reduction Act that the US, you know, the sleeping giant was awaking. But uh, the market still very much, you know, is like it was a few years ago. And uh, the demand for lithium, if it happens to be a China story, it happens, it's frustrating because we want it to be a more globally diversified story. But uh, Made in China 2025 was their idea in 2015. We're now nine years in and it uh, looks like they're succeeding you know, in this objective, um, I joked to somebody that, uh, you know, there was this who killed the electric car, you know, back in the day when GM, uh, that movie came out because GM had the idea of the electric car, uh, in the U S you know, it could be like democracy killed, you know, the electric car, you know, cause you have a very, you know, blue state, red state, you know, dynamic, you know, here in the United States, um, in red state, China, you, you know, not a democracy, uh, industrial policy. Uh, very much focused on uh, dominating the battery and the EV industry. And here we are at $50 a kilowatt hour battery. You know, that's half of the $100 uh, no, that it's up. Uh, what we're getting there. Or how far away are we from that? No, we're well away from that. But I'm it just they're saying that, you know, current maths, that's where we could be trending to later this year. But bear in mind that. I think benchmarks average is 82. I don't know where LFP is right now. So it would be quite a big drop from, I think maybe in 70, but it is okay, possible even with so, lithium prices at these, these levels. They had the foresight, uh, across the supply chain from all the way upstream with CHEL maybe subsidizing their lipidolite mines so that they can, you know, continue to make, uh, sub hundred, you know, dollar a kilowatt hour, you know, LFP batteries that, uh, are powering $15,000 cars. And if those cars can't be imported into the U S and Europe, um, then they'll dominate the Indian market and the Indonesian market and other, uh, big economies like you mentioned. There's, right, there's oversupply, you know, there's oversupply of cells. So there's going to be price competition now. Um, and as I say, that, that, that could help. That could help uh, demand uh, in various sectors, but um, yeah, we need to see what the supply response is. I, as I said, I'm still struggling to understand how low quality or low grade lapidolite can double production in this price environment. I'm really struggling to get my head around that other than subsidies or some cross subsidization. So mm -hmm. we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Uh, how that plays out and how, um, the U S and Europe is going to respond because, you know, again, you know, people point out to oh, contract pricing on lithium. I guess my question is on the higher priced contract pricing that goes into Korea and Japan or what have you, where does that lithium go to for cathode and then sell and then EV and how much What's the profitability of the EV that has that higher priced lithium in? So we know legacy, you know, some of the legacy OEMs are losing money and some of the new players. So can one keep that up? I don't know, but it, you know, it does raise the question of how is it that China is able to sell these low priced, you know, EVs at any kind of a margin, unless there's some kind of a subsidy. So it's, it's really, you know, geopolitics coming into play. Yep. 
And that's uh, been my excitement uh, about this industry since I got into it 15 years ago. Uh, you know, the geopolitics of lithium. And uh, related to that uh, is the other news, and we'll just conclude on this, is uh, Ken Brinsden, uh, who we just uh, got off the phone with, with Blair Way. Uh, you know, he's in Quebec, uh, moving his family there. Um, this is, uh, you know, the guy retired, you know, and two weeks later he joined Patriots board and now he's going to have another bite at the apple with, you know, it's going to be five, six years until, you know, he'll, he'll recreate a Pilbara, um, and what is the Western Australia of North America in our opinion, which is Quebec. And, um, he was mentioning that, uh, when he had looked at Quebec and Canada in the past and there, there were smaller mines, you know, maybe of, of lower quality, um, you know, that's changed a lot. The past year, there've been some major discoveries and it was interesting to hear from him comment, not just on Corvette, but also, you know, Winsome Resources as two, you know, major, significant, you know, thick war body, you know, they're, they're, a diff they're different beasts than um, the other mines that exist there. So uh, to our, uh, view of the North American lithium triangle from Quebec to Ontario to Carolina. Um, you know, they're partnered with Albemarle. He had some also very positive thoughts to say about, you know, Kings Mountain, uh, based on the relationship, uh, you know, that they had, you know, that, uh, relationship they're having with Albemarle. So, uh, you know, North America, spodumene, plain vanilla, you know, spodumene to hydroxide is still very much, um, you know, a thing. Uh, but the James Bay region in particular and the Corvette deposit, you know, and the Winsome deposit and some other, you know, players out there that we represent a few of them like Champion and, and even Critical Elements, which has exploration upside, you know, looking forward to hearing what Arcadium has to say about Namaska you know, and James Bay, um, you know, projects. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a real good testament to, to see another crocodile Dundee actually not just uh, managing a business from Perth, but um, physically moving, you know, himself and, and his, his wife to, uh, um, you know, do it again. Very few, uh, you know, people, you know, have done this, in, you know, in, in the industry. And uh, uh, yeah, anyway, so that, that's positive sign, as is uh, Pilbara and, and Mineral Resources responded relatively positively to their earnings announcements. Um, so I don't know if the sell-offs, you know, completely complete. We're hearing, you know, lithium prices could fall further from 13000 to 10000 You know, someone we spoke to earlier today based on some of the Zimbabwe flows, but um, we shall see. Eyes on Albemarle in particular, if they cut back, from a million five to a million or so at green bushes, that would be very, very significant, uh, I think in correcting the market. So again, Kent masters, Eric Norris, you know, to the rescue, if you're listening, signing off, have a great weekend. <laughs>